This is Iron Mike Stedman, and on this episode of Dog Whistle Branding, I'm joined by Brendan Aronson, co-founder of Paint True, a veteran-owned startup that makes it simple to turn your cherished photos and memories into a custom, hand-painted work of art. Brendan is a good friend of mine and my entrepreneur battle buddy. We both went to the Naval Academy together, served in the Marines, and decided to take our swing at the entrepreneurial journey. He went the tech route, I went the nonprofit and small business one. On today's show, Brandon shares some insights into Paint True's go-to-market strategy and some of the challenges they've had to overcome along the way. I can't help but dabble into the startup ecosystem from time to time, as you can tell, but I hope this interview provides some value to you and help you refine your own go-to-market strategy, whether you're a small business or an early stage startup. Before you hear from Brandon and I, make sure you sign up for the Dog Whistle Branding newsletter at the link in the show notes. All right, Gunny. Take it away. Yo, saddle up, lock and load. Welcome to Dog Whistle Branding, brought to you by the team at Ironbound Media and the Lions Pride, where we provide weekly tack planning on marketing, brand strategy, and category design for early and growth stage veteran-owned small businesses to keep you in the fight and not face down in a rice paddy. I'm your host, Iron Mike Stedman, a Marine Corps veteran, godfather of Dog Whistle Branding, and CEO of Ironbound Media, a podcast production agency that helps veteran-owned businesses create, distribute, and grow branded podcasts in order to engage with your ideal audience. Each week on this series, I coach you through the different marketing, branding, and category design strategies that I've developed over the years to drive revenue and increase customer engagement. Those are the only ROI that matter for a Dog Whistle brand. I'll also include case studies where I bring on guest SMEs or business owners to provide a debrief on their dog whistle brand strategy. Before we jump into the show, make sure you subscribe to our newsletter at the link in the show notes or visit our website dogwhistlebranding.com to stay up to date on all things DWB and our work at Ironbound Media and the Lions Pride. All right, get out your pen and paper and get ready to build a dog whistle brand. Saddle up, lock, and load. This is Iron Mike Stedman, and you're listening to Dog Whistle Brandon. Brandon, what is going on, brother? Welcome to the show. Hey, what's up, Mike? How are you? Brandon's looking at me. He's like, that's an intense intro. Uh, but when you hear the when you hear the intro to the show, it'll make a lot more sense to you. I'm sure it will. So, Brandon, go ahead and uh, tell everybody who you are. Uh, tell us about your company. And then let's just dive right into uh, your go-to-market strategy. Hey everyone, I'm Brendan Aronson. Uh, I went to the Naval Academy. I was class 2012. I was a Marine Infantry Officer. I'm a Wharton MBA. I'm a co-founder of Paint True. Paint True is a, a custom artwork company. We make the world's best gift. Uh, we take your favorite photos and memories and we have them expertly hand-painted by a professional artist. They make beautiful, special gifts for, for any occasion, for people that you love in your life. It recreates the emotion that you felt that day that that photo was captured. You see the brush strokes on the canvas uh, with this really high quality and beautiful piece of art. Uh, and, you know, your loved one is reminded of that day every time they see it sitting on their wall. So it's a really fun business. We get to see people's most joyous uh, occasions in life and, and help them turn it into a really special gift. Man, it's super cool to have you on this show because uh, for our listeners, me and Brandon are kindred spirits. We served, we went together, we went to the Naval Academy together. 
Uh, we're both infantry officers. And then we're both in this entrepreneurial hustle as academy grad. So we're always bouncing ideas off each other. And I was super pumped when I saw that you were getting involved with uh, with Paint True. Um, what year did that company launch? What year did the company launch? Uh, we did a soft launch in 2019. And then 2020 was our first full year in business. 2019 and 2020. All right. So, you know, one of my core values at Ironbound Media is that there's no rules in audio. So I try to mainly focus this show on veteran-owned uh, small businesses at the growth stage. But I'm intrigued by, you know, technology startups, right? And so uh, that's why we're having you on here as well. So, all right. So talk to us about how you were able to acquire like your first hundred customers, you know, that initial go to market. What did it look like? Yeah, I think people think and this was certainly my belief coming out of business school, especially was that, you know, your first hundred customers are going to be like random people on the Internet who either find you through your marketing efforts or through advertising or whatever it is. Um, and some of that is true. It's not like it's exclusively people that you know, but more realistically, the way that companies are built is like, you got to sell those first, you know, hundred to several hundred of whatever you're selling yourself. You got to get your hands really dirty uh, and not be afraid to just hustle. Like your most, the people who want to support you the most are probably your friends. They're probably your family. Um, if you're solving a real pain problem that they have, They'll obviously be more easily convinced or more, you know, willing to support your business. But I mean, you know, hopefully your mom will at least buy one of whatever you're selling. Uh, so, um, and I think that's a really important process too, because you can't launch a product or service and immediately be good at marketing it and selling it. Cause you just don't know what people will pay you for or what, why it is that people will come to you. Uh, so the process of manually selling one-to-one -one is a pretty necessary step, in my opinion, on the go-to-market, because that's when you get that feedback of like, hey, well, what photo should I use? What, what does it mean when you say that there's different mediums? What medium would be best for my photo? Or, um, you know, I've got multiple people in my image, or I'm just painting a landscape, right? So there's like, you're going to learn through the one-on-one -on -one interactions, the feedback that you need in order to answer most commonly asked questions and make a compelling sales pitch. And you're going to not be good at selling product when you start. It's inevitable. So you just have to get a lot of repetitions. When did you realize that you need to do more one-on-one one -on -one selling? Like, was it like within the first like month or was it after like six months where you're like, yo, this revenue isn't where it needs to be yet? Yeah, for me, it was actually a product, something I learned from my co-founders. So I have two co-founders who are both military veterans. They're both team sport uh, athletes. Uh, one's a Marine, one is a, was a Navy officer uh, and an NFL player. Um, and they are incredible teammates to have. Uh, and they just have a ton of hustle. I mean, both of them, um, you know, are good salespeople. And I think for me, you know, joining the business, I was kind of like, well, look, we need to focus on, you know, putting together an advertising strategy and a real marketing plan, figure out our go to market. And it's going to be convincing random people that we don't know. And how are we going to do that? And they were like, yeah, 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 that's all great. But like, in the interim, like, you've got friends who need art, you've got, you know, family members who need a great gift, like start there. And so I learned it from my co founders, and just like seeing how they would make individual sales. And then you know, just like any other team, you celebrate the wins. So in the early days, I mean, every single sale, we still celebrate every sale. You know, even if we're on a day when we're on a tear, if we get multiple pa paintings sold, there's still a team's message that goes around to the entire team of, of you know, the pay true uh, employees and, and founders and everyone that's like, hey, that was a good one. 
let's go. It's another one, you know, every single sale is still really important and we're a few years into it. So there's no shortcut to success or figuring out how to, how to be, you know, excellent at this. You just got to hustle it really hard over a long period of time. Yeah. But I also think there's a way to do it smart, right? Like in the pre-interview, what we're talking about is this feedback loop. And the problem with the way we do business these days, everybody wants to spend all this time planning and strategizing and this and that. But like Mike Tyson said, everybody's got to plan until they get punched in the face. And the sooner you launch and get out there, because, you know, business is a contact sport, you know, you get that constant feedback, Luke, of what's working, what's not working, and you're able to adjust and iterate. But sometimes people want to stick to the plan, you know, even though the the feedback is saying like, hey, this isn't exactly what people want. This messaging isn't working. This copy isn't working. We need to adjust and we need to go there. Um, Go ahead. I think that's like one of the most difficult things about selling a product online, especially, is that you can only see, you know, your funnel. Um, and, you know, I mean, we all know what a funnel is. It's how you take someone who's never heard of your business, put them through consideration phase, educate them a little bit, eventually convert them, and then hopefully reconvert them again and again. Um, you can only see the funnel through, you know, these metrics of who's falling off, you know, okay, well, we had, you know, an advertisement that was shown to 100,000 people. And we had a different advertisement that retargeted those people that was clicked through by 1500 people. And then, you know, of those people, 40 of them, you know, subscribed to our newsletter, and then, you know, a couple of them converted or something like that. So you're, you're not getting the no's, you're only hearing from the people who say, yes, this works for me. And it's much more important to hear from the no, the people who are like falling off along the way. It's not resonating with them for whatever reason. And it's you're not getting that feedback, which I think can be really, really tough. Um, so I'll tell you the most valuable thing that we did in all of 2020 for our business was put a little chat feature on the website. And that chat feature for a long time was like the easiest way to get a hold of me. Like if you were like, you know, friends, family, whoever needed me for whatever occasion, people would like, we, we knew that we were like overdoing it when people would come to the website to be like, Hey, like I texted you, come like hit me back. Um, but it really was the easiest way to get a hold of us. And like taking people's questions directly was like the best, best way to interact with customers and hear what they're really coming here for. We found out that like, you, you know, uh, number one, most commonly asked questions. So if you go to our FAQs on our website, they're all because of the questions that we were asked via that chat widget. And then number two, um, just gave us an opportunity to figure out like, why are people really coming here for this product? And it was not just to have a photo painted. It was for the emotional aspect of that, that gift. Yeah. No. Um, and you were able to update like your copy and your message and based off those questions across the board, right? Absolutely. And it's only possible if you're actually interacting with your customers. Like I used to handle our customer service. We have a pretty like customer service heavy process. We try and provide like a real white glove experience for our customers. So you come to paintry.com and you put your order in and then there's back and forth with the artist, uh, with us, etc. And so I was handling that for a long time. And it was super helpful for me to be able to understand like, what do people like? What do they dislike about this? You know, how can we make a better and more fun customer experience? Where are they kind of like getting antsy? Like, hey, where's my painting? It's like, okay, we need to plug some additional content in there so they're getting excited about it instead of feeling like, oh, have I been forgotten? Because, you know, it takes a little bit of time for some hand-painted artwork. I also want to go back to, you know, what you just said too about like, oh, you got the awareness phase, you got all this. <laughs> but what you're saying is what we preach here is you, sometimes you got to flip the funnel though. You know, go and get those one-on-one sales 
then get that feedback and what's working. And then that allows you to say, hey, this is the stuff that we need to put out to actually get the awareness. So a lot more, you know, focusing on sales to drive revenue instead of just spraying and praying on the Internet. So people uh, kind of understand who we are and what Patreon is like. No, we need to go out and find people that are ready and primed to buy what we have. Just like your, your boy said, like, hey, talk to your friends. And what I wanted to say about that piece is we can, if, if, like, just in terms of entrepreneurship now, moving forward, I will always start within, like, what groups and what networks am I already a part of? What communities am I already embedded in? Because you can build around that from actually, like, having those relationships. And then you start talking to successful entrepreneurs and, like, man, how did you get that deal? Or uh, how were you able to get that investor? It's like, oh, that was my brother's. You know, that's my brother's roommate or something or, you know, that's my my wife's brother and my my wife's brother or something. Just all this just like it, it. We try to make it seem way more complicated than it needs to be when you realize that it's really just these like close relationships that people are just leveraging. 100%. I mean, your network is <laughs> the single most critical determinant of, you know, success and failure. It's like, do you have enough people in your corner who want you to succeed, who are willing to help you? Have you helped enough people along the way that, you know, they're willing to bend over backwards and lend a hand if they can? Um, no doubt. So after you start to get some experience, right, y'all are getting some revenue. It was like, okay, now we need to, now we can start to get a little bit more professional with like our marketing and branding. What were like the three areas you were focused on? Was it like social media? Was it blogging, thought leadership? Talk to us about, about that. We call it the marketing stack. Yeah, so um, I wish I had brought my chief marketing officer on this because she's brilliant um, and you would love talking to her. So maybe I'll make that intro. But um, she. so the first thing we did was hire intelligently. Like we don't have a deep background in marketing uh, and we needed a marketer uh, who had the experience to take us to the next level. And fortunately we found that our chief marketing officer, Aiden Casey is amazing. She's got 10 years of marketing experience. Her background is really uh, deep in content development. So, um, you know, content development, blogging, SEO is like such a long game that it's like, you need sales today. The only thing that matters is like, what is your monthly revenue today? What's your monthly revenue next month, right? When you're an entrepreneur, but, if you don't inve- take time to make invest in the long-term returns, it's just never going to happen and you got to start somewhere. So she has been consistently turning out blog posts for, you know, over a year now um, about every topic that you could imagine from what medium is the best, how to pick a frame to what are people having painted. And it's actually really fun, I think, because um, she, she's a, she's excellent at content. I mean, she gets to have an idea for, I wonder if people would buy this type of painting. Say it's a house, a painting of a house that you used to live in. And she commissioned, you know, a couple of different examples for people in different kinds of styles. Um, and then she'll take that content and put it out through owned channels. I think owned channels are like often, I don't think that they're ignored per se, but they are like the absolute like, like most critical leg of the marketing uh, stool. If you, if you asked me um, for my opinion, because it's your bottom of funnel actions, right? It's your newsletter, your blog, your social media. It's like, what are you doing to convince more people to convert who are already like sort of interested in your product? Um, so without that, everything above that in the funnel just has no real chance of success. Um, so she would, you know, then put that content out via all of our own channels so that people are getting hit with it in multiple different 
ways. However you get your information, if you subscribe to Paint True and follow us on social media, you're going to get this information of what she's pushing in some way, whether you see it on Instagram or Facebook, you might see it on LinkedIn, you might get it into your inbox in your newsletter, you're going to get it as an SMS text message, you're going to see it on our blog, and then I'm going to talk about it in podcasts like this one. So, which, you know, it's not an own channel, uh, it's an earned channel, but you know, regardless, she's pushing it out as in as many different places as possible. And it might feel from the business owner's perspective, a little bit redundant. But from a consumer perspective, people get their information all kinds of different ways. I have certain things I, I do read the newsletters consistently. I have other things that I just, you know, I'm happy to be subscribed to their SMS. And I it probably wasn't even thinking about it. And you know, might even want to unsubscribe, but it hits me at the right time, right place. And by happenstance, I'm now a customer. That makes complete sense too, because, you know, I'm going to ask you, there's just so much noise online, right? Like everyone is selling now, right? All the social channels are running ads, all this other stuff. It's like, how do you channel through that noise? And what you said is like, well, let's just start writing to the people that are already subscribed to us. Let's start pushing them the content. Because at the very least, right, they've already given us permission of like, hey, they want to see what we're up to. They want to follow us and focus in there instead of getting lost in like, all of the nonsense that's going on on the internet now. No doubt. And I think it's like a lot of it is also just like timing and serendipity too, like just luck. So I have a bunch of friends from business school who really want to support, you know, my business and my entrepreneurial venture. They want to, they're like good friends. Um, and it took some of them a really long time to buy their first painting. Some of them still haven't. Um, and it's just because it hasn't been the right time and place. Like they just haven't had an occasion for which this higher price point gift really makes sense. Um, and you got to just be consistent. Like we're consistently putting out content. They're constantly seeing it in their newsletter. They're seeing it on their Instagram feed. And you know, the average customer takes eight to 10, um, impressions before they'll remember the name of your business. It's a lot. I mean, you got to really, really hit someone a lot of times before they even know who you are, much less before they're actually willing to be convinced to, you know, consider you for a purchase. So and that's from a warm audience. I mean, these are people that actually like me as a person, you know? So I think consistency is really king. Um, there's no way to, to shortcut it. That's why I'm such a fan of what you do, Mike, is because you are like incredibly consistent about putting out content. And you had said one thing earlier. Um, sorry, you know that I'm long-winded from our time at the Naval Academy. Um, you had said one thing earlier um, about putting out, you know, products, ideas, into the world before they're really ready. And that is like the most true thing I think for any entrepreneur is like, I had a business school professor who said that your first version of your product should really embarrass you. You should be embarrassed to put it out there uh, because it's probably not ready. And if you wait until it's perfect, then that's actually a problem because you really have wasted a lot of time and you've probably built a product for someone that doesn't need it or doesn't actually want it. You just think that that's what they want instead of, getting something downrange, allowing people to react to it, and then building something with their reaction in mind. Yeah, I think for me, right, I'm a bootstrapper. So I definitely had that mentality of like, I fund businesses through paid clients. You know what I mean? So like, I, I'm selling right out the gate. Now, I wasn't like that, right? I, I messed around for a lot of years, you know, trying to refine stuff and duck from selling and post on social media and do all that branding and you see me on TV and all that other stuff, but none of that really, <laughs> it's, it's nice. It looks good, right? It gives that social proof, but it doesn't put dollars in the bank account, whether you're a nonprofit or for-profit, you got to jump on calls with people. 
You know, you got to look them in the eye. <laughs> and uh, now that I know that, man, I'm just like, listen, skip all that nonsense. You got a venture, put it on a white paper. You know, let's go out and see if we can sell it um, and, and see if there's real value there. But again, business is a contact sport. You need that feedback loop so you can get stronger and get better. Now, you mentioned blogging. All right. What are two other channels that you've used that have done really well for you all? Um, our newsletter uh, which goes out via, you know, it goes out via email. I would say our SMS text messaging program is sort of like a part of that. Um, you know, for us, we have a product that's really versatile. People come to us for wedding paintings, for pet paintings, for, you know, landscape and travel photos that they've taken that they want to turn into a painting for memorial paintings of loved ones who have passed. Uh, we're actually running a campaign right now to paint fallen service members and gift it to uh, their families. It's like a really meaningful way to commemorate their legacy and pay tribute to uh, to their memory. Um, and so that's a blessing and a curse. Um, gives us a lot of different opportunities to hit a customer in different parts of the life cycle. It's also a lot to market and tell someone, hey, we can do all of these different things. So, um, you know, a lot of times it's like just pushing out content. I mean, I think a couple of things. First, the best way that you could utilize that newsletter and, and SMS program is by is by using segmentation, right? If you know specifically like, hey, you know, Mike has like some really adorable pets and he's only ever come to our pets page on our website and he's only ever really engaged with pet content that we have, like let's just like hit him more often with things that are relevant to him specifically, whereas this other person has only really come to us for, you know, couples and, you know, port portraiture of people, right? So if you can hit them with something that's like much more relevant to them, that's even better. Um, we, we do use segmentation. Obviously, it's obviously much more effective. It's just it can be more difficult, I think, for a small business to really effectively speak as it. And what you want to do is like speak to someone very specifically, you know, it's like, hey, Mike, I know that you have an interest in boxing. Have you seen all these paintings of famous boxers? Or like, did you know you could have yourself painted in the ring? Like, you know what I'm saying? Um but yeah, I mean, I think the newsletter and SMS are like absolutely critical and it can feel overwhelming. Like, Hey, I'm really like pushing this product on people a lot, but they're not going to open every single one of them. And it just gives you a chance to be like top of mind. You know, someone gets that impression in their day and they're like, Oh yeah, paint you. That's that art company, whatever. I'm going back to doing whatever I was doing, but that's one more interaction they have with your brand. And it, especially we have the luxury of having a very visual product. So you know, I hope that as people are scrolling Instagram and they're following Paint True, it's like they're just getting a piece of artwork. And it's like, oh, that's that's really cool. Like, I love that. Like, look at that. It's like really pretty. And then they can just go on about their scrolling. Now, in the startup space, you know, we use the term product market fit. Right. But I like to use perfect customer fit. Mm. Have you guys figured out who your perfect customer is? Right. Like the one that's like, take my money. You know, so every time you blow on your brand like a dog whistle. Right. You know exactly whose attention you're trying to attract. I think because of the fact that we have like a product that's so flexible, this is sort of what I was talking about, like the curse side of it is that we have a lot of different customers, which is might sound like a good thing, but it's actually not like that's like a tough thing, I think, is because you can't be everything to everyone. Um, and it is honestly like largely sort of a reaction to whatever our chief marketing officer is pushing. So she's been pushing a lot of landscape and house paintings in the last couple of months. And we see a lot of those coming through. So 
we have realtors that come to us to use us for like a great closing gift for their clients. We have people who are younger come to us for pet paintings. A lot of the times we do a ton of wedding artwork. Um, so recently married, uh, people, I think for us, you know, our, our perfect customer is probably 26 uh, to about 40. It skews actually a little bit male for men looking for great uh, gifts for their, you know, significant other. Um, and, um, but yeah, so that's, that's like our perfect customer for, you know, couples portraiture for pets. It's a little bit younger. Um, but yeah, I mean, we have a, we have a different perfect customer depending on what the product subject matter is. It's the same product. It's just a different subject matter for what we're painting. Based on your feasibility, right? Like as a company, you know, and like, obviously you only have so much attention you can focus on. And then when you look at the landscape and say, okay, we're serving all these different markets, but what is the one we enjoy working with the most? What's giving us the best return, you know? And where do we think that like, hey, we can go to the moon with? What's stopping you all from like looking at what you have now and saying, hey, I know we can, we're going to cut off this revenue on these, but we're just going to go after this one. This is our, we're going to fire that one bullet and, and go this direction. It's terrifying to think of the thought of like, saying no to the customers, you know, it's like every dollar in the door, you just want to grow. All you want to do is be last month. That's it. For us, it's, it's realtors and B2B stuff. It's like, we've done very few commercial orders. They've been obviously dramatically higher, you know, purchase price because people are buying multiple pieces of like large art. Um, those sales take a lot longer to close. So it's a longer lead time. But it's someone with a really high lifetime value. I mean, working on a commercial project that's finally going to close. We've been working on it since April. Um, it's not going to be the biggest sum of revenue in the world. Uh, it'll be a decent sized sale. But th this particular company buys a ton of art, probably like millions of dollars of art a year. So, you know, for us, like that com commercial line is just like that could really take us to the next level. And then realtors as well. Like realtors can give this as a closing gift. They, it's part of, it's a business expense for them, which is like so much better if you can sell to people who are businesses because they have money that they need to spend on marketing. Um, and then it's recurring, right? They're going to sell houses over and over and over again. And hopefully you'll be the closing gift of choice for every single one of them. So. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. And one thing I, I try to do with these podcasts is like, we're thinking through stuff as we're talking, right? And the reason I like having you on the pod is because like you're in the fight. You know, this ain't just classroom talk now. And for our listeners, these are real decisions you have to make of like, hey, are you going to go chase this vertical and cut off this one at the risk of having a loss of income for a few months? You know, mm. these are real kind of decisions that we have to make. And for me, like as an infantry guy, I'm, I'm at the point now, Brandon, where I'm starting to learn about like I see business as strategy. You know, I'm starting to connect the dots between things. Because I reached a point in my venture with Ironbound Media where, to be honest, I service veteran-owned uh, small businesses. And if I'm being super honest, really, service academy grads. That's my niche, you know? And going ahead and saying, hey, it's okay if I cut off these other things and going after it. But getting to a point where I invested in marketing around it, you know, even with this podcast and all this other stuff. So, but these are real decisions that we have to make. And again, it's like, even though we see the obvious right in front of us, right? Taking the risk and rallying your team to take the risk with you is still like a real challenge. That's brutal. Um, 
the other thing I would say is like, you know, this is a really helpful framework, I think, for thinking through this question is like um, a friend of mine told me that there's a business school class. I think it's at Stanford that they teach this where you will soon be uh, <laughs> gracing their campus. Um, but they teach the first class is like, OK, you want to be an entrepreneur. You got a business idea. Go make your first sale. That's your homework for the week. You just have to make one sale. It can be to anyone. It can be to your mom. It's probably going to be to your mom. It's probably going to be to a friend. It's going to be a family member or something. Just go make that first sale. I heard a story about someone that went out and uh, they were trying to do a nail painting business. It was like, you know, they had some some idea for how this could scale or whatever. They were like, they sold, you know, a, a manicure to someone. And then they come back and they say, oh, yeah, I made my first sale. It was $40 of revenue. And, you know, isn't that great? And then the, the professor says, well, that's that's great. Congratulations. You're now an entrepreneur. You've made your first sale. Congrats. That's like a huge first step. The homework for this week is to figure out how to multiply that revenue by 10. You got to do 10 times as much business this week. And so the person goes out and they're like, oh, my God, like it was really hard to sell that first one, like to convince someone of to buy my you know good or service the first time. How do I do that 10 times over? And they came up with an idea that was like, oh, like if I just go to a local business and offer like, hey, uh, you can bring your employees into the break room and have them me do the, all their nails. You just got to pay me for 10 manicures or whatever it is. Um, that's like a cool little employee perk. It's a fun little party that you can throw for your employees to show them how grateful you are for their hard work, etc. And they went out and sold that a couple of times. Right. So it's like. I, I think that's a really helpful framework for like, okay, like I got to figure out how to make that first sale. And then after I do that, like, how can I really make this like 10 X that's it, it'll cause you to look, I think at your product in a different kind of way to say like, okay, like that is how this thing really scales is like, if we're selling individual things to a lot of different people that that can work, but if you can make bigger sales all in one fell swoop, it might take more effort, but it's going to be worth it. Yeah, I teach the five stages of small business growth, which I got from Harvard Business uh, Review and a business coach named Michelle Warner. Step one, validate the business model with paid client. Step two, sales. Get repeatable sales month over month, predictable revenue. Phase three, build that foundation. That's your team, right? Stage four, expand. So start to grow. And then finally multiply. This is like world domination. And what you're talking about are those first two phases of like, validate and then get that repeatable uh, revenue month over month. Now, here's the thing that intrigues me about startups, right? Not only do you have to get repeatable revenue, you got to get that 10 X, that 50 X, that hundred X, you know? So when we celebrate like a small business owner, we're like, yo, $10,000, we're rolling, baby. Your investors are like, no, we want to see a hundred thousand dollars. You know, we want to see like immediately. (laughs) Yeah. We want to see half a million. So, my question to you now is, as you start to look towards the future, and I know you're still finding that like perfect customer, you're honing in on it. Who's your aspirational perfect customer? And then how do you connect the dots from a branding and marketing perspective to be able to go out there and reach them and get that growth? Uh, I think for us, the aspirational perfect customer would be like large hotel chains. You know, they have a need for artwork. Um they're going to buy in large quantities. Um, and yeah, I mean, I just think B2B is like, it's so much easier than direct to consumer anything, you know, consumer marketing is so hard. (laughs) Um, yeah. And then the second part of the question was like how to refine your branding, marketing, et cetera. How How do you connect the dots to get there? So you're saying, okay, we want the hotel chains, right? What would you need to be doing 
in terms of from a marketing and branding perspective to allow you guys to close those deals with their attention? Yeah. Well, so I think we just need like case studies of a few reps that we've done to show people because it's like a little bit difficult to like, I think, um, conceptualize like, hey, we can paint anything. And to someone that's like in a purchasing position, they're like, well, that's like too vague. Like I need to see things that I could paint. Like, what, what do you mean you paint anything? Like, what, what should I have painted? Like most of the art that I'm buying is abstract or it's like, you know, landscapes or whatever. It's like, well, what does that mean? And it's like, well, okay. It depends on what your branding is as a company. So uh, we're wrapping up a project with a developer who does, they have a project, a, a um, building that they're putting up that the inspiration and the branding is all about nature and art. So we um, took an old uh, Henry Rousseau painting called The Dream and refined it with local Maryland foliage because it was a Maryland hotel or, um, you know, multifamily apartment complex uh, and added in local Maryland animals instead of the animals that were in the original painting. And we did a few different drafts of that. And they were like, oh, my God, we love this. This is like amazing. You know, I can't believe that we can do this. And it's like priced at the right price point to where this is a... Uh, something that we can actually put into our buildings, right? So being able to show that to other potential clients, I think is like really critical for us to, to be able to say like, look, we'll, we'll we'll come up with a perfect concept for art for your for your place. And you don't have to settle for like the same painting that I as a consumer, I'm going to see in your hotel as like the Airbnb I stayed at last week as like, you know, this off-brand motel. And it's got all, all got the same artwork. And like, you're now in the same category as like this motel chain. Like, it's just, you should have something that's like custom for your specific space. You put a lot of time, effort, and money into the space, like make sure the art really sings. So it sounds like the next phase for you all is to get, gain a foothold, you know, with one of these yeah. uh, hotels so you can show them what you can do and then use that to, you know, create a network effect and get more. I think the, the other way that I'm thinking about it as well is, you know, we're doing this um, paint your hero campaign and it's been, there have been occasions um, in the, we, I mean, we just launched this thing on September 11th. So it's been under two months now, um, but it's going pretty well. It's a sort of like a philanthropic thing that we're doing. It's a feel good kind of a thing for us because we can actually serve the community that, that, uh, that we were a part of. And, a lot of the first donations were individual people saying, oh, yeah, $25 towards this, you know, $100, whatever it is. And then we started getting corporate donors. And it's got me thinking, like, we put together this wall of heroes at our headquarters of, like, these fallen service members. Uh, like, why doesn't every hospital in the United States have a wall of heroes of their healthcare workers who have, you know, given their lives fighting the pandemic or you know, firefighters or police officers, first responders, right, have, like, a wall of heroes of, like, you know, art was used to pay tribute to the most important leaders in, in history. Um, so why not use them to pay uh, tribute to everyday heroes? Because that's what we can facilitate for these people now. So those are like ways to think of like, okay, if, if I could sell to a hospital, like a wall of heroes, it's like 10, 12, 15 different paintings all at once. Like that's, that's good for the business and it's good for the hospital as well. As we wrap up this discussion, and I appreciate your own honesty again, pulling the, the curtains up and letting us know what you guys got going on behind the scenes from a marketing and branding perspective. What advice would you like to leave the listeners with as they start to think about developing their own go-to-market strategy? And then second question, how can we as a community support your efforts uh, with PaintTrue to help you accomplish your goals? I'll start with the second question. You can come to painttrue.com and purchase a piece of artwork. It's very helpful to me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's like the number one way that you can support our business by being a customer. Um, 
you can use code uh, HEROES15 for 15% off, and then we'll go ahead and donate 10% of the proceeds of that painting back towards this memorial campaign to paint fallen service members as well and gift those paintings to their families. Um, so, you know, and then for people who are starting out, I think most people will come at this with like the mentality that I had when I first started, which is like, Oh, like I need to think through like a funnel and like, I have to have like this aspirational imagery. Cause they look at like ads on TV for like Coca-Cola and they're like really high production value, really high quality. And like, you know, they're beautiful people and they're like making the product look great or whatever. And I think like we all have that in mind as like that successful marketing, but it's just not really like start with that first sale, just make that first sale to someone. And now you're actually in business and it's going to feel weird trying to sell a product to someone that's close to you. Like it's going to feel very uncomfortable. So just like get comfortable with being uncomfortable. A lot of this is like, you know, tied to your own personal ability to like sell yourself. Um, so just get comfortable with that, make that first sale and then recognize that like good marketing is just really authentic. So that's why I love all of your podcasts, Mike, because they're just like very authentically, Mike, you know exactly what you're going to get. And it just not like if I saw you putting out a podcast that was like, you know, like all this like glistening, glowing kind of branding, that's like not like more gritty. It's like, well, this doesn't speak to me anymore because the reason I listen is because it's Mike. It's like, it's a little bit gritty. He's a boxer, you know, he's like getting his hands dirty and talking tactics and strategy. Um, so yeah, I mean, be authentic, I think is like the second piece of advice after make that first sale. Yeah, man. Listen, I'm not Tony Robbins. I ain't Seth Godin. I'm Mike Stedman, you right. know, but a lot of people don't think that they think that they're trying to be somebody else, but when right. you're trying to be somebody else, right. You're competing. You know, you're losing out on your own tactical advantage. Like only you can be Brandon. Only I can be Mike. And like be authentic sales when we show up on these platforms. And going back to what you said, if you just launch a venture for under $10,000, guess what? You're not fucking Coca-Cola. Don't spend, you know, $7,500 on a video shoot of you in a blazer, got the little microphone, super well produced. You don't know what you're doing, right? Me and you were just talking in the preview. Everybody's making it up. Right. right from the WeWorks of the world, you know, to the investment bankers. Some just got a lot more experience at the end of the day because they've been doing it longer. But we're all trying to figure this thing out and be authentic, create good content. And like you said, get out there and sell. And Brandon, I'm going to tell you this, man, as you continue to learn and grow as an entrepreneur, both within Paint True and your other aspirations, right? Create, consider this a platform you can always come on and drop some knowledge bombs. So if you learn something and like, oh man, we just did this move. This worked really well. I want to come and talk to the audience on Dog Whistle Branding. I think they can benefit from that. Let us know, man. And we'll have you back on the pod. Appreciate that, Mike. And also I would throw out, if anybody wants to chat or has questions or comments or whatever, thoughts, just hit me up on LinkedIn. I'm super responsive. I try and get back to every single person that reaches out. I'll make time to chat, especially if you're a veteran entrepreneur. You know, I, I try and do my best to pay it forward because I had a lot of mentors along the way, like Mike, who, who really helped me out. So uh, always happy to chat. And I'll be sure to include the link to your website as well as the code HEROES15. And uh, let's show Brandon and his team some love over at Paint True, man. Go purchase some paint. Tap your networks. Let them know what's going on. And uh, let's help each other out. And uh, Brandon, again, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show today. For our listeners, be sure to subscribe to Dog Whistle Brandon on Substack, our newsletter platform at the link in the show notes, as well as your favorite podcast hosting platform, including iTunes, Spotify, or whatever you're listening to today. We send out a podcast and newsletter once a week 
to help you level up your marketing, branding, and category design efforts. And if you're interested in being a guest on the show or want me to cover a specific topic on the pod, shoot me an email at mike at weareironbound.com or message me directly on LinkedIn. Dog Whistle Branding is brought to you by the team at Ironbound Media, where we help veteran business leaders create, distribute, and grow branded podcast series in order to engage with their ideal audience. We believe that audio is the future of publishing, and we're committed to leading the movement for the veteran entrepreneurial community. You can learn more by visiting our website, ironboundmedia.com. This series is also powered by the Lions Pride, a professional training and coaching company for badass founders that serves mission-driven, high-performing small business owners with at-the-ready resources, battle-tested tools, and full-service support. We're proud to support veterans and other badass business owners at every stage of growth. You can learn more and get more at thelionspride.com.